And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Warriors All 82 podcast. Warriors got three off days coming up Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Very rare in an NBA calendar. So I figured we needed a podcast. Warriors beat the Kings pretty easily on what was a newsworthy night around the team, Tim Kawakami. You spent the whole day down here at press conference. Andre Godala leads it off. Very good, Andre. Anytime Andre talks, uh, you listen. Interesting stuff on the young players, on where they are. Then uh, Draymond Green gives us a lengthy two-run home run yeah, after the leadoff on, hitter got on base. Update on his uh, little Mike Trout action. Update on his injury status. Three, four weeks. He's hoping. Doesn't not sure. But uh, and then just this expounding on every single player on every, where they are. Uh, typical tremendous Draymond. Uh, then Bob Myers pre-draft, pre-trade deadline. They're not going to do anything. I mean, I, I don't think. But just interesting to hear him talk about where Clay is, uh, where the team is, <laughs> and then then there was a basketball game. Steve Kerr talked in there somewhere too, and then Steph Curry was very good and uh, talking about the game and you know his interactions with Clay and Clay talked and Kaminga talked. It was un- I'm gonna have to write something about this tomorrow. And I'm just trying to narrow it down in my head because it was a full info dump uh, from the Warriors today. It was really good. If you are interested in the Warriors, you care about the Warriors, you want to ask questions about the Warriors, this was the day for it. This literally was the day to ask everything, and it all came out. It was interesting stuff. To everyone. Um, Yeah, do you want to start game or the news? Let's start game. Let's start game. Okay, so Warriors beat the Kings. Again, I mentioned pretty easily uh, to me a a few stories, but really number one is Klay Thompson. This was the first time. He's had some nice shooting nights and some bad shooting nights, Um, but he hadn't had the the avalanche clay moment, Uh, and he did to start this game. He went 7-7 overall, 6-6 from three in his first, like, you know, maybe nine, ten minutes on the court. He had 20 in the first half. He even mentioned uh, being proud of himself in the second half because he didn't, like, try to chase down a 40-point night. He only finished with, I think, 23, Um, but... That's the like Clay breaks open games, like the Clay we know breaks open games, uh, and that was the first time we've seen just that like unstoppable stretch where the entire geometry of the court changes, the Warriors' offensive game plan changes, everything comes Clay it turns into a Clay Thompson, you know, hunt fest, and then he's just hitting everything, and uh, you know, that's encouraging to see for the Warriors. That's what they've been waiting for, and I, I think more than anything, it's what Steph was, was waiting for. Just that synergy of those two guys, you know, one guy's going, the other guy takes some time off, you know, not, you know, doesn't sit around, but, you know, you don't have to carry the offense. Then the other guy goes off and then, you know, or, or, you know, lays back and then the, the other guy takes off. And I think we saw that. I was watching. I mean, Steph was like taking some possessions off in the corner just because Clay was just going to go get his. And then Clay, when Clay is un- unconscious, nobody's unconscious like him. Nobody, not even Steph. We've seen 37 points. 
quarter against this Kings team. We've just seen 60 points in three quarters. We've seen so many times from Clay, And I do think finally beginning to see, and, and I think Kerr mentioned it, or I mean, maybe Steph did. I forget who I asked now. I have to go back over the tape. Like It is changing a little bit. Like There is some openings for a little bit more for Curry and for everyone else just because the defense knows that when Clay is going, he blows up the game. Uh, and they've been waiting for this. They have not had this in two years more than two years and this was the beginning you know it's against the kings we all know they're not a great team but the david mitchell is a good defensive very good defensive player good offensive player too don't get me started on davion mitchell i don't want to do a davion mitchell thing but you know by the way they put gp2 on on halliburton not on mitchell i was a little surprised by that the whole game uh halliburton got hurt got hot late but he didn't do anything early how yeah halliburton has (laughs) been the better offensive player into this you know in his second year i think is the better offensive player you know that was mitchell's career night halliburton had 38 the other day in philadelphia but again stop getting me on the kings that's my other beat that's my other writer um uh, yes so (coughs) clay you know he only finishes with 23 Uh, to me there's a lot of other stuff that's interesting i mean with with a several other guys out Moses Moody is still sticking in that fifth starting spot Jonathan Kaminga let's talk about him gotta talk about him I mean yeah so I'm gonna this the I'm gonna kind of open my story uh you know talking about this we we, you know mentioned this this clay volcanoes and, and how that like the everything changes on the court when that happens and that's not anything Jonathan Kaminga has felt before because Jonathan Kaminga was in high school in 2019 <laughs> um and there was a moment tonight clay was five of five he had 14 points in like seven eight nine i think it was in seven minutes and coming gets the ball on the right wing and clay is coming perfectly set up for a curling corner three to go six of six you know the crowd is anticipating it and coming looks at the rim and goes nah, i think i'm calling my own number right now um and that but there was also a moment where he sets a really nice like you know recognized this is a pin-in screen where Clay's curling around, and it looks very Warriors offense And it was a nice moment for him, and to me that just kind of signifies like where he's at right now in this, this rookie season where he's making strides but also making mistakes that like you know kind of grind the Warriors a bit too. And, I mean, obviously Draymond Green in his you know 35-minute opus today had some good quotes on it. But uh, in general – It says something interesting that, that, yeah. that Kaminga has been late a couple times, and he made a point to say that. Uh, and, you know, it, 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 it does kind of add to the picture of this incredibly talented player who has just not refined and hasn't gone through disciplined situations. He just hasn't. And that's not his fault. It just hasn't happened. Wasn't going to happen in the G League. And it's beginning. Not that he's been screwing up here. I, I think we all can see that he seems very nice, very polite, very deferential. But sometimes he's so talented that he's just going to think, my talent can take over. I can be late. Well, you know what? If Draymond Green's not late to a meeting or a practice, you cannot be late. And these things are just happening with this immensely talented 19-year-old who can throw down a ridiculous reverse dunk that, as you mentioned, he probably would have scored well in dunk contest in a live game action, who can play the pick and roll with Steph and be a guy who challenges the rim, who's like, he's going to take the rim down if you don't guard him. These are the things, you know, again, he makes mistakes. Is he going to be in the rotation? Probably not when Raymond's back or Iguodala's or, or back. Is he going to get playoff minutes? I don't know. But this guy is like... He, the fact that he would take that shot, you have to respect that too. And Steph said that, like, you don't, you want to take it away. You don't want to have to add, like, you don't want to say you must take a shot, please. Like this guy will take shots, even with Steph and Clay going nuclear. Um, 
there was something to be said about a person who has that kind of confidence. And the, the, the Warriors have struggled finding those guys. Jordan Poole's got it, but not many others. And this is a special, special talent, and they know it. And then you're just going to see. Let's see how it works. I think it works pretty nicely with Stephen Clay, though. Again, are you not playing Iguodala? You're not. I mean, no. But there's going to be some minutes where Jonathan Kaminga is going to get with Stephen Clay in some big games. Well, he had like four dunks in the second half. Um, you know, the the, the 180. Um, you know, cock it back, uh, which was in transition, but also they had a few nice, really. ATOs where he got, you know, fake a screen, go down the lane, and they, they're reversing and throwing it. Like, stuff that is designed within a half-court offense for Kaminga to get a dunk. Yeah. And, and you know, because they haven't had James Wiseman, and we should get to that from, from the press conferences today, he, in some, you know, we've seen it with Gary Payton being a vertical threat, but but so is Kaminga. I mean, three alley-oops yeah, today. Kaminga is a vertical threat through people. Yeah. Like, he is, through, like, Payton's an incredible dunker, great finisher, but he's you know, six foot three. He's not going. He, he might go over somebody. He's not going through somebody. Kaminga's going three people and and violently, uh, and in a, in a open space situation where people are rushing towards Steph or rushing towards Clay, and then coming over late on the backside. How many times has Looney had that? <laughs> it's a little different. Although he had a nice dunk tonight. I mean, again, I always say, but yes. Except for Kamingo would be tearing down the rim on five of those. Like, five of those would be tearing down the rim. And that is going to be extremely valuable for this team, whether it's late this season or it's next season. This guy's coming. So that's eight straight wins, uh, even though they got a bunch of guys out. I mean, obviously the San Antonio win was the stunner within that. Uh, They are 40-13, and which, man, I mean, that's just a really good record. Um, Phoenix lost in Atlanta tonight. Phoenix has some tough games coming up, including, I believe, they're at Chicago coming up. Uh, They have a home game against the Bucks coming up. Uh, and suddenly the Warriors are now only two back. You know, it's, it feels like gaining a game for either of these teams, Phoenix or the Warriors, is huge because it's so hard to gain a game. You know, the Phoenix had won 10 in a row, so even as well as the Warriors were playing, they couldn't gain a game. They did tonight. They have three off days coming up, uh, as I mentioned, and then they got a Thunder team who you would think they would handle in Oklahoma City, and they should get guys back. Iguodala, I'd expect, back Monday. Porter and even Bielitsa, I think, could possibly come back. Uh, now, that tinkers with a rotation that has looked good. Uh, I think the rotation is kind of settling in. I might write about this. I don't want to tip off. But, again, if you have to take out some pieces because you're, Draymond's going to play and is going to play. Porter's uh, going to play. play. So you got, but, again, if you just look at it, you can just kind of see. Bielitsa's been Bielitsa's yeah. literally played every game until he got hurt. Yeah. Like, he's been in the rotation for the entire season. Now he would be the vulnerable one if a Kaminga, if a Moody muscles yeah. their way in. Now, but he, They do need some center minutes at the backup spot because Draymond's not going to play all of them. But, like, you can just see where people, Peyton, you know, GP2's fitting. He only played 11 minutes tonight, by the way. Like, I've always said he's in the rotation. Bob Myers said it. He's in the playoff rotation. But it's going to be limited. Yeah, it's going to be limited. It's going to be limited some nights. And there's going. you can just kind of see it line up. I mean, I'll line it up in the column. I don't want to go through it. I can't do it off my top of my head. But you can kind of see how they're lining it up, where Clay's going to fit, where all these you know units are going to be. Hey, the second unit did not look great tonight. I mean, that's where they started giving it back in the third quarter. As Jordan Poole, Wiggins was in there uh, in that second unit tonight. Uh, you know, there's some other guys. You know, Porter would be in it. There would be some different mi- mixing and matching. But they're going to play Steph and Clay together. Like, I think that uh, it's almost been 100% of Clay's minutes have been with Steph. So then they're going to have to figure out what that second unit is. 
you can kind of see how it's working. But um, like I ask her about it, I always ask him about rotations, and he just said he doesn't want to even think about it because things change so much. I think that might be a little bit of a mislead. I think they're kind of formulating it right now. Uh, yeah, okay, so let's get to uh, the news portion of the day. Uh, Draymond Green, I would categorize his update as encouraging from the Warriors' perspective. I mean, he's saying they have not talked about surgery at all. Uh, he feels physically better. He's never felt back pain. It's always just been calf weakness, calf tightness. It's getting better. He believes uh, three. Like he's hopeful to be back within three to four weeks, which would be three weeks would basically be first game out of the – all-star break four weeks would be we're talking march 1st early march i think early march yeah and that 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 does seem like on the optimistic side but i just think the general the the positivity that he came with like he's not a guy that necessarily hides it well uh he's a guy who when when damian lillard got his core surgery he's like good yeah i've been telling him to get that you know prioritize yourself uh to me the way he spoke about the injury uh, signal that he really does believe and not only about the injury about the belief that he can still win defensive player <laughs> yes, of the year yes, yes. means that he does physically feel like he will be back to himself in march we heard the questioning on warriors plus minus earlier this week when we were like i don't know if he's got enough games uh he might have enough games uh might well might. rudy gobert's still not playing exactly like like if, if draymond's got to get to 50 i think i mean it's going to be tough to win defensive player you 48 games and gobert is going to get there i think yeah. uh draymond he's got to be back by march like early march march 9 march 10 march 11 in there uh but he puts up 50 games and as he said i just got to dominate i got to dominate when i'm yeah. back and, and he did dominate before he was out if he dominates at the end it's going to be, you know, who's going to get it over? Mikael Bridges is going to get over him? I think it would be Draymond. Do you agree with me, though, that, that he, you felt like his, uh, considering the unknown nature of the injury and, and what they hadn't messaged out, did you feel like hearing how he was on the podium today was like, okay, he's he feels pretty good about yeah, it? Yeah, I don't think he would have gone up there. I really don't. I just don't think he would have gone up there unless he felt pretty good about it. He didn't have to. Injured players don't have to talk. Well, he, did, he, he was on TNT. He, he, yeah, TNT yeah, right. and All-Star and all that. He technically <laughs> is supposed to do one press conference with you know, injured players are supposed to do oh, yeah, one okay. while they're out. Uh, I don't think. But he wouldn't yeah, have been so 30, lively. Yeah, 36 minutes and the whole thing. And you're right. He's not good at hiding something. Yeah. He's like, if he was really hurt, he would be saying, I don't know. And... He still was like he still was like, hey fans, if I'm not back in three to four weeks, like you it's know the Clay this thing, you know yeah. Clay was ready to come back weeks before he did. Draymond doesn't want to come back and, and be dragging himself around and getting in shape and, and figuring things out. And, and and the other thing is, I think would if you really want to take this positively, is he was kind of hinting that some of his, you know, maybe shooting issues, maybe some other things were tied to this. That he just wants to get the whole thing back together. And he was saying, like, things I had in the weight room did not translate to the game. I assume that has something to do with his legs and his, you know, his form Loops, I believe yeah. he was talking about one point. So, uh, it seems like that was a little bit more of the salesman part of was, Draymond. But he wouldn't be saying that. Uh, I guess my point is he wouldn't be saying that unless he, unless he felt good about the fundamental stuff, which is just getting back on. He wouldn't be saying, I can put it all together now. Look, I might be able to put it all together. We'll see. We'll see, if, especially about the shot. We'll have to see. But I think he's feeling very much are like you, you guys thought. predicting he's going to come back as a 45% <laughs> yeah. he's sniper? Gonna, he's going to be 3 and D. Um, I just think he's feeling – well, I'll just put it this way. Knowing how Draymond goes, like he probably was in a dark time for a little while with this, like not knowing what it was. And he feels like he's past it and he's going to go, you guys thought I was terrible. You guys thought I sucked. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to show you. And for him to say that the way he said that, 
at least we're not in his body. We don't know. We haven't seen the charts. But I think you can tell his frame of mind is, I am going to come back, and I am going to dominate, and I'm sure of this. And that's a pretty good sign for the Warriors. I will throw Draymond Green's full press conference at the end of this podcast, uh, which will be closing down pretty soon. Uh, so you can listen to, to all his answers and, and, I guess, read it for yourself. And, and by the way, all his answers are not just on the injury. He, he went off on about 95 tangents. Um, but the other, I would say, combo news of the day, I would go to now to Bob Myers' press conference, which included – I mean, it was a pre-trade deadline uh, press conference. But obviously, uh, you know, questions about James Wiseman, which has been the – most discouraging storyline of the season for the Warriors. Uh, it's it's uh, been kind of uh, the uncomfortable sitting under the surface. Hey, this number two overall pick is about to be 10 months post meniscus surgery and still as of February 2nd, February 3rd is not even advanced to contact. I thought Myers shed a little bit more light on what the issues have been behind the scenes. Obviously, you know, I reported about the knee surgery, the cleanup in in mid-December, um, but even lately he was like supposed to be close to contact and then clearly it, w- it had been paused uh, and it's still kind of in a pause state, although they're saying they believe he might get over the hump this time around and, and, and Myers basically was explaining that every time he's gotten close to contact, the knee just hasn't responded well. They hope. He said swelling. Like, I mean, I guess it was asked, is it swelling? But then he didn't deny. Like, it's, I'm sure there's been some swelling. You, you don't go back in and, and have another surgery procedure, whatever they want to call it, if there hadn't been some swelling, the, some physical sign of it. And that's it was Yeah. It was swelling when they did the cleanup. I don't know necessarily yeah. this latest time around. But uh, the other thing, you know, as he's talking about the trade deadline and their uh, – uh, you know how active they're going to be. I mean, he's saying they they're still being told that that Wiseman will be back and Draymond will be back. Draymond's the big one. If, if suddenly that changed, yeah. you really would have to make a move. But um, it, but kind of within that, I thought when he said when he was asked about Wiseman, it was like, look, if it's twenty five games that he's got to close the season, maybe he can carve out a role and he's there in the playoffs. But if it's 10 games, that almost, I think, believe he said 10, it, that seems a little bit more unrealistic. Look, there's 29 games left. Yeah. James Wiseman, even the most optimistic timeline, would only have him coming back with basically a handful of games where they still want him to come back because you would get him some developmental minutes. There might be a San Antonio-type game. Uh, where you play all the young guys, but generally, um, I, I I think that it's be, it's pretty clear. Like they're, I think they know that they're not going to get much from him. Yeah, they're setting up the rotation for him not to be that guy. And and then if he's there, it's a bonus. And you know, there's been this is where guys have gone into the playoffs, and then you get you 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 know to sit the first round, and then you're available off the bench in the second round, not as a rotation guy, but. You know, foul trouble, whatever. I think maybe we're looking at that. We're like, he's just an extra piece. They're not adding a big guy. I really find that because then they have to cut somebody. Who are they going to cut? By the way, tell me who they're going to cut. That's yeah, like, you know, they're just not going to do that no. in this moment. And with this, with those tax, you know, penalties. And you know, you know, the person going to get cut is Damian Lee, I would guess. And he's like playing twenty minutes a game. Hey, Kerr loves him. Yeah. So they're not. I mean, you just you just go. You know, people would want them to cut Bielitsa. They're not cutting Bielitsa. Like, there's just nobody there for them to just say, oh, you know what, it'd be better if we just get rid of this guy. That's, they, they're not there. They feel they can, get, they can get through it, even if Wiseman doesn't give him minutes at ever this season. 
And I do think, like, you can go into the first round and you go, you know what, Wiseman's playing pretty good in practice. Let's get him five minutes. I mean, you know, that's where they are with him in an emerging situation. Emergency, he doesn't have to be a guy who gives him emergency well, minutes. Let me in, tell you on, something on about April 16. Let, maybe on May 20th, he's feeling better. Let me tell you something about a coach named Steve Kerr, uh, who uh, I've covered in a playoff series before. There was a West Finals in Portland. Uh, this was when Kevin Durant had initially hurt the calf. Um, and didn't play in that – it was the last Durant season. They swept Portland 4-0. Game three of that series, do you remember who started at center for game three of that series? I could not tell you who started at center in game three. You saw him tonight. He's on the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> oh, Damian Jones? Damian Jones had torn his pec yeah. in November or yeah. December in Detroit, I remember. And the thought was he was out for the season. He actually returned, rehabbed he, uh, throughout the playoffs, and, and he was available – in the West Finals. He had not played one minute since <laughs> December or November. And he started Damian Jones in Game 3 of the West Finals. Now, they're up 2-0. Yeah. They're comfortable. They wanted to see something. Damian Jones then went out and committed 3,003 <laughs> minutes. And you did not see him again the rest of the playoffs. But Steve Kerr is a coach who will try some things. That's all I'm saying. And, again, that's why if you, it's not about April 16, if we believe this team is going to play deep in the playoffs, and we're just talking about an emergency role. If Looney's in foul trouble, if Draymond gets hurt, what if something happens? Yeah. yeah. He can use another month to get into some kind of shape and just give him some minutes. Like, that's what I, I, I'm going to write about. I'm going to steal this now, by the way. Everybody can, you are here at the scene of the crime. I am stealing this antidote from Slayer if he doesn't use it in his game story. Like, it, don't think just April 16. It's not just about April 16. It's about May 16. It might be about June 10. And just have a big guy out there who can give him minutes and maybe it won't be great minutes but when you're worried about center depth is there somebody who's going to be better than that and Myers basically said that is there somebody going to be better than that that they can get who would be worth five million dollars by the way in luxury tax five million dollars at the minimum or is it like hey Wiseman might be there on May 1st might be there on May 14th and we just need eight minutes maybe to bang around with Jokic for in game three, you know, I, I can and, see that. And, you know, if it doesn't go well, which it probably wouldn't, you know, Damian Jones' minutes did not go well in that Portland game. He fouled three times in three minutes, and then somebody else came in. And, and you see the JTA finishes the game. Like, like they're not worried about this. Like, you know, it's an old trade deadline. You need a center. Go get a center. They got 15 players. <laughs> They're not going to cut any of these players. So, you can't, you know, a two-way guy, two-way guy can't play in the playoffs. You know, it just, there's just, they're kind of got who they got, and they're the sec- they have the second-best record in basketball, and they don't really need a center-center. I mean, Looney is, even Myers, like, Looney isn't really even a center. He's a center for them. So, this is the way they play. They're not, they're not, they're not getting another center, and maybe Wiseman can do it late in the season, or maybe he can do it in the second round, or maybe he can do it in the friggin' finals just be a guy jordan bell once started in the yes, finals like for it's, them it's not it's just i do want i do th- think people get stuck on april 16 is he gonna be there he's on the roster they don't have to do he hasn't like to clear a playoff run. he is on the roster they can just keep him around i remember festus azili was hurt once at the end of one season and mark jackson kept hinting that they might play against the spurs in the playoffs. he never did but it was like maybe 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 Wiseman might be in one of those situations. Yeah, he just got to advance the contact. Like, that is the, that is it. And, again, I said it on the Warriors Plus Minus the other day, and I would say this, and Draymond even mentioned it. He wants to get in some scrimmages before he is cleared to play. 
when you hear that, and I'm talking to anyone that's following this team, when you hear that James Wiseman is in a scrimmage, that's huge. When you hear that Draymond Green is in a scrimmage, that's huge. Until then, they're not close. So that's just, just what I'd say. Clay, just remember the clay. It's going to be the clay track. Much more for Draymond than Wiseman. And, because, and not yeah. as, like, Clay went from, like, late November to, like, yeah. mid-January. Like, it won't be that no, many that scrimmages. Was two, that was two, yeah, it's two years off. But it'll be, it, yeah. it'll be that kind of emotion, that ramp up, and then, boom, he's going to be in there. It just won't be, uh, we're not sure, we're not sure, and then he's playing. It's, it's going to be a ramp up. Yeah. All right, I'm going to kick it to Draymond. And <laughs> we will talk. Yeah, I almost dropped the phone. And then we will talk to you, I don't know. Tuesday, okay. I think. Yeah. Yes, Tuesday. Yeah. You're right. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Can you, uh, can you just kind of take us through how you felt the injury and then just all the issues that come with this. I never really felt anything um, until I felt it. And which was Saturday evening. I was kind of just sitting at home and and my calf tightened up and I came in the next day, uh, told Rick that my calf had tightened up and, you know, he asked me, to perform a couple of tests that I couldn't do. And so then, you know, tried to go through warm-ups just to see if it would loosen up. And I immediately knew as soon as I started shooting form, like started form shooting that I, I looked back at Rick and just shook my head. No. And then he walked out and said, uh, you know, let's just, just shoot a couple more shots, see if it starts. And it was a disaster trying to shoot. And that's when, Came back down and uh, I knew I'd be out that night and then just kind of had the idea, like, could I at least start the game? Because to me, it didn't feel, it didn't feel like it was something that like, oh, my calf's tight, it'll loosen up and I'll be back next game. Like, it just didn't feel that way in my soul. You know, I, I just didn't feel that way. And so I asked to start the game um, just because. I wanted to share that moment with Clay. You know, I wanted to share that moment with Steph um, and just be out there with those guys. And that was kind of it. And, you know, now I'm feeling a lot better. Uh, I'm healing. I'm getting stronger uh, each day and just taking it a day at a time. What have you learned about this injury that a, a calf issue could actually kind of travel up to your back? And, and that's what you're dealing with. Yeah, I, I had no idea. Um that things could connect that way that the, the, you know, the main source of the injury wasn't the actual injury, you know, or the actual spot that appeared to be injury a symptom. Uh, I had no clue that that was even possible, but when I replayed it, everything from the beginning of that day, the look on Rick's face, when I couldn't perform some of the tests, 
lets me know. Like he he knew right away what it was because even like um the MRI, like I he he said we're gonna MRI your back. Never MRI my calf. And so um it, I this whole process for me has been an extremely positive learning process. I've learned so much, like not only about the back, just about the body as a whole. I'm strengthening my core. Uh, I'm stronger in my glutes, you know? And so, uh, you know, in the long run, I think this will be a positive because I'm able to work on some things that you never really get the opportunity to just focus on those things without um, running right back onto the court. You know, there's things that you work on in, in the weight room that you would love to transfer to the basketball court, but it's just not that simple of a transition, you know, and now being able to work on those things and actually lock those things in and then start working back to the court. Like I'm, I'm starting to see how they can transfer over, but there's things that I've been working on for two years that I couldn't really get to transfer that now I'm starting to see the, the transition. And so I think, um, I think if, if ultimately this will be a positive for me, I think I'll come back stronger. I think I'll come back faster, jumping higher due to the things that I'm able to work on now. What do you think is a realistic timetable when you could be actually back playing? Uh, I'm hoping sometime within the next three weeks or so, three or four weeks. I can't really put a definite timeline on it because at this point I'm just rehabbing and, and building strength. Um, and, and just kind of letting my body heal. So ideally, I would love to be back in the next three to four weeks. Um, but I can't guarantee that because it's it's not one of those things that's just like, oh, my my ankle feels better. I can go back and play. You know, it, it's, it's just not that. As much as I wish it was, um, it's just not. And so when dealing with a back, I'm what, the one thing I'm not going to do is rush back out there. You know, and so um, – and if I'm not back in three weeks, that also doesn't mean that I'm not able to play in three weeks either. You know, I I want to return when I'm 100% confident that I'm healthy, when I feel like I'm in great shape, because the reality is I don't want to return um, not in somewhat of game shape. And then you're laboring, you're um, your mechanics and running is wrong and like all of these things. And then you're compensating. And then I get hurt again, you know? So one thing I can tell you is uh, I know people will read into everything, you know, in three weeks, it'll be like, oh man, he's still not back. I'm telling you now that doesn't mean there's a problem. Uh, there, that doesn't mean that there's a setback. I want to return to the floor when my conditioning is at the right level, uh, when I can return. And that's those same things that I was talking about transferring onto the court, when my conditioning allows me to make sure that I'm not falling back into those bad habits. Oh, well, I think anytime uh, you're dealing with a back, there's, there's a major concern. Um, and then, you know, and quickly uh, talking to, you know, um, Dr. Watkins in LA, um, Dr. Bobby Tay here in San Francisco, both of them, the, the first um, prognosis we got, we we're like, oh, like, that's good. And then the second one was even better. You know, so at that rate, you're kind of like, all right, you know, I should be fine. And, you know, like I said, it's it's a back. So you're never clearly out of you're clearly out of the woods. And so even then, I'm still a little nervous. Uh, 
you know, lead for those next few days. But once I started to see the progression um, and, you know, getting stronger and pain going away and all of those things, then I was very confident in what the doctors had said, which is, you know, that they didn't think I require surgery. Um, I needed to do, do some rehab, get back stronger, and I'll be fine. And that's the path I've been on. I've been improving at a rapid rate. Uh, my workouts have, has been fun. I think y'all are enjoying them. I'm pretty t- intense in there. Uh, but, you know, it's, it, the process is the process. It's what I got. And, you know, I'll continue to be in here each and every day, trying to get stronger and hopefully return to the course sooner rather than later. I wanted to follow up with you. I was wondering how much back pain are you feeling? What are you going Zero through? Zero now. Head to toe. None. Um, no pain now, which is great. Uh, and, you know, I think for me, it's still about staying vertical, staying horizontal, uh, making sure I'm not bending at the back and doing all the things that can possibly put me back in that situation. Um, and my appointment on Monday was very, very, very exciting for me just to get even better news and, and uh, you know, return to shooting the ball and like all of these things that I'm starting to progress to. So everything's looking up. And um, like I said, hopefully I'll be back healthy soon and, and back out there with the guys. But in the meantime, guys are playing well. Uh, you know, I think, like I said, from and looking at this from and trying to take the positive out of it from my own self, you know, I look at this team and JK has gotten minutes and he's played well, you know, and Moses is now getting minutes and he's playing well and, and auto and, and just seeing different lineups that can work. Um, whether I'm in that line, whether you plug me in with a certain lineup or I'm not in that lineup, just really being able to figure out these lineups has been great. So um, it was a little shaky at first and, to be expected, like the ball movement wasn't there. We were on one side of the court the entire time. And I expected that just because I stand at the top of the key most of the time and catch it and swing it to the other side, you know? And so I think it took a little adjusting for uh, the team, for guys, for Steph, for um, obviously Clay just coming back. It, It took a little adjusting for guys to get accustomed to me not being out there. But after a few games, you can start to see that we, started to get the hang of that and I think now we're, we're on a seven game winning streak or so uh that's been a positive as well and you know now I'll come back and get plugged in wherever I'll be plugged in and and hopefully try to keep that rolling whenever I am back you uh, you mentioned the alarming word surgery you know within one of your answers how how big a possibility had that been earlier in the process and are you to the point where you're very confident that you won't have to get it Oh, I think the possibility then is the same as it is now. Uh, orig- initially, they didn't. No one thought I needed surgery. Um, today, no one thinks I need surgery. And saying that, like I said, you're never clearly out of the woods, you know. So, um, n- neither one of the doctors that I've seen thinks I'll end in surgery. Um, Rick doesn't think it'll end in surgery. And the way my body is feeling now and the way I'm progressing, I don't think it'll end in surgery. But like I said, when you're dealing with the back, that's always a possibility. So we had to cross that bridge and see if that what that's what was needed. Uh, no, one's, no one thought it was needed. And my progression has shown that to be true thus far. And I believe it'll continue to stay that way. Very much.
Uh, no, um, I don't think it'll be a recurrent thing. I don't think the doctors have thought, think it'll be a recurrent thing. Uh, they've been kind of pretty consistent in what they're saying. You need to get your strength back. Um, you know, once you're back at full strength, you can go, you know? And so, um, and, and, and most importantly, it'll heal in the time in which you need to get your strength back. And so I don't think it'll be a recurrent thing and neither do they. From this season, obviously started with got to wait for Clay, see how it starts, and then we'll adjust for Clay. Uh, you were part of that, and now it's okay. Draymond is out for a little while. Uh, do you worry at all? Does anybody like this is a lot of adjustment for, for one season, or do you think it's just going to be pretty natural once you get back in and maybe even Wiseman? I don't think nothing is natural. Uh, all of it will take some work. Um, since my last time playing, a basketball game with clay the nba is totally different the the way the game is played is totally different so i don't expect it to be as seamless as people may think or people may want or we may want or think i don't, I don't think it'll be that seamless i think it'll take some time to figure it out do i think this is too many adjustments having to be made throughout the course of a season no um because i think that happens through any season i've had the um, I've been fortunate enough to win three championships and play in five finals. And the reality is, is all of those seasons came with adversity. All of those seasons came with this guy to line up, that guy to line up, or uh, an issue with this, an issue with that, or offense not flowing right, defense kind of not getting there. And, and you're having to make those adjustments all the time. And so um, I don't think it's too many in saying that. I think it's been more attention around it because clay coming back uh and then you know me going out and so there's just been more things going on that's right in your face uh that everyone can put their finger on but the reality is is any championship team if you go talk to someone that was on that team they'll they'll lay out a laundry list of adversity that they had to go through to get there that no one knew about our a lot of our adversity has just been on the forefront and 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 saying that, I think every other team is dealing with that as well this year. Um, you know, you've had guys, I don't know, probably 80, 85% of the NBA has had COVID this year. So right there alone is time missed. Then you get a nick or knack, and all of a sudden you missed a month of the season unintentionally or not due to just one specific injury. And so um, I think everyone's dealing with the same thing. You look at the Brooklyn Nets right now, they're dealing with the same thing. You look at um the Los Angeles Lakers right now, they're dealing with it. Milwaukee has had their share of guys out. And so you can go around the league and, and find guys in and out of the lineup. And that's just what it might. Miami had their stretch of guys out. And, you know, everyone's you, – you adjust uh, in hopes that come April 16th, you're 100% healthy and ready to roll. Raymond, you said you're not in any pain now. Did you get any kind of a – either an epidural injection or trigger points to no. okay no and i didn't um i didn't i didn't need any of that stuff I, to be honest with you i really wasn't in much back pain from the beginning uh or any from the beginning so uh throughout the whole process i haven't had any back pain and so that wasn't uh an, an epidural or something like it, it was never needed an epidural is in part or in large part due to tolerate the pain Right. Or I, lessen the pain. And, and I I didn't have – my symptom was my calf. Okay. And so I didn't have any back pain from the beginning. Okay. How's the calf now? It's fine. Um, it's great. And just 
building, um, but it's fine. It's not tight like it was anymore. Um, so just building back up and allowing my body to heal. And you as said, you've observed, uh, as you've observed, uh, what, what's your thought on how you guys have established a, a home court advantage here now? I mean, there've been some tough years with no fans and now it seems like a, it's starting to be that. Uh, it is starting to be that. And it's exciting because, you know, I think I've said publicly before, you kind of expected just that, that, like we ran things at Oracle. It was loud. Now we're at Chase Center. We're going to run things again. It's going to be loud. And that was just the expectation. And then you walk in here and a, we sucked. Um, so that's probably one of the reasons it wasn't loud. We sucked. And then there were no fans and COVID and 10 fans and then, 50 fans and then a thousand fans. And so kind of a weird two years anyway. I think now to see that building back up, you're excited to know that when you're returning to play at home, it actually feels like a home game and you know you can feed off that energy and the crowd's going to get loud. And I think we've done a great job of building that up. Uh, if you would have asked me this a year ago, I probably would have been pissed off and said the fans aren't bringing it and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is, is we had to do our part. We had to bring winning ways back here. We had to uh, lock back in and and give people something to cheer about. And I think we've done that. We've held up our end of the bargain, and they're held they're holding up their end of the bargain. Draymond, Draymond what uh, what does it mean to be an all star again? I know you've talked about wanting to get your game back to a certain place. Is that is that a special? thing for you today it is a special thing um it's a very special thing because two years ago um when I had probably the worst season of my basketball career including my first year ever playing first grade um I made a goal that I uh, I kind of made a goal that I two-year plan of how can I get back to all-star and the reality is is that year I was so terrible and I was so out of it and like drained and exhausted I don't believe in cutting corners. I don't believe it ever works when you do cut corners. So I didn't make a goal to be an all-star next year, last year. I made a goal to get back to playing good basketball last year, reestablish Draymond Green as a basketball player, as a brand. That was my goal going into last year in hopes that that would lead me to coming into going into an Olympics, which I did, um, won a gold medal, and then coming into this season in shape, which I did. Hoping in hopes that that will ultimately lead me to a, an all-star appearance, that that will lead me into a, another deep defensive player of the year uh, trophy, and then ultimately leading us to a championship. Um, up until this point, I have executed that plan to the T. I still think I can execute the, the last two things of it, and that's my goal. And, you know, going into those summers and putting – working with Travis Walton, like we worked this summer, like I haven't worked in years and it was beautiful. And, you know, Travis, I, I kept telling him and, and, and I, I even told my whole Converse team um, last year, I said, I'm going to be an all-star next year. So plan some things for all-star because I'm going to be an all-star and it's been great. And so uh, one thing that's beautiful to me is everyone on my team, uh, starting with my family, uh, I told them all, and they all believe um, Travis, he believes, and 
he showed up and we put that work in every day. And, and he even said not long ago, he said, Day, I ain't never went to an all-star game. But when you make it, I want to be at this all-star game because I know how much this one means. This will mean I know the work that we put in and I just want to be at this one, you know, and, you know, down to my through my teammates, this organization and everyone who believed in me setting that goal and actually reaching it. Like I just got a call from from Brownie, who's not only my barber, but it's become my brother. Um, and and just like, you know, you sit in the chair and you have all these conversations and just like talking to him over and over again about being an all star. And I haven't even gotten a chance to check my phone yet because obviously I was just doing TNT and, and came straight up here. But it's exciting uh, because, you know, Ray was just saying, like, man, you're a four-time All-Star. Imagine you at eight years old. Would you have believed that? I said, Ray, I was a three-time All-Star at one point and, and never thought I'd become a four-time All-Star. So I don't, need to, I don't need to go back to eight years old. Um, I was a... 29 years old and didn't know how I would become an all-star again, but I knew that if I was going to, it would start with me putting my head down and working the same way I put my head and work down and work to become an all-star the first time. And so I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and act like it's no big deal. It's a really big deal. And in part due to a lot of people calling me out, uh, saying I was washed up, um, saying, I can't shoot in the game. It's past me and just that and the other. Like, no, I, I am an all-star. And, you know, me making this all-star game this year doesn't make me an all-star. I've been an all-star, but I'm happy to prove it again because a lot of people doubted me. And to be honest with you, it, it, at times it made me doubt myself. And so, but I never stopped believing in myself. So I'm extremely excited and it feels really good. It feels really good. You, uh, they, you're going to be out, obviously, still a little while. James is still unknown when he's going to be back. The trade deadline's coming up next week. Where Do you believe that you guys need to do something, or, or are you of the belief that what you have is, is fine? What I do believe is, and, and know to be true, that we are not a heavy trade deadline team. Uh, we have not been since I've been here. Um, I can probably I can count on one hand probably the amount of moves that we've made at the trade deadline since I've been here. Um, we brought in Jordan Clarkson and Marshawn Brooks, Steve Blake, um, Wiggins Russell, um, Wiggs and De the Wiggs and D'Angelo trade, um, and then Kelly. Alec and Glenn. And if I'm not mistaken, that's it. I've been here 10 years. So seven guys in 10 years. Um, there's 15 guys on a roster, which in 10 years means at least 150 guys on this roster. Obviously, some are the same. Seven. So the percentage of that is probably like 5%. Um, something like that. We just, we've never been that team to make a bunch of moves at the trade deadline. I personally don't see it happening this year uh, where we're making it. We have a great team. We believe in our team. Uh, we have found a great mix of youth and experience and we're executing it. Um, so I, I don't, 
I don't think, and it's not my role, my job, but I I can't see it happening. And if it does, I'd be shocked. Jeremiah, you were playing at DPOI caliber before you went down, and you guys had the number one defense. And since you left, the defense has still been really good. I was wondering what you thought about that and if you've been able to participate somehow, whether, you know, coaching or something. Uh, uh, within the last couple weeks, not much. Um, earlier, the first couple weeks, a little more. But the reality is, is you, you establish a culture, you know, and just because one guy go out don't mean you lose your culture. Um, you will still be held accountable to defend whether I am on the court or off the court. Um, our defensive rules will still remain the same whether I am on the court or off the court. And I think that is the testament. That is that is how you know that you're building a championship team because just because one guy goes out, that does not mean you stop being who you are. And I think when I watch our team, that's evident. Like, no, you're going to continue to defend because that's what's required of you here. It's not because Draymond's out, our defense goes to shit. No, because – you're not allowed to go to shit. Like it's, it's just not how we operate. And so, um, you know, it's, it's no shock to me that we've stayed at the level um, that our defense was. And, you know, I know that I'll come back and I'll make that defense better. And so I'm looking forward to that. I also think I'll, you know, I'll get back and still win defensive player of the year. Cause one thing's for certain, I lost defensive player of the year to a guy who missed a bunch of time. So I still have no doubt that I'll get back and I'll win that. I was going to ask you about that. Uh, Do you think there's a minimum number of games in your mind or any sense of like, I got to get back by to make sure that you are at the top of the list of that one? No, I just got to get back and dominate. Um, Because one thing's for certain, uh, there's no one that's played better defense than me this year. And if I if I hadn't got hurt, I would have won it by a landslide. So now I just need to get back and win it. Yeah, Jermaine, you, you said um, maybe three to four weeks. Um, and you, uh, I hope. You hope. And that it's pain-free now. Um, are you looking at during this time mostly to um, get your strength back to usual or your – uh, game back to usual both um I, like I said before I don't want to mosey out there on the court just because I can um I don't I don't want to go out on the court and I'm not at full strength like uh, I want to feel good about my game I want to feel good about my condition and I want to feel good about my body and that takes time to get all three of those things on the same I mean there's times like where you're going through a season and all and like healthy and all three of those things aren't on the same page. So uh, that takes time, and I understand that, and I am locked into the process of getting there. But uh, I need those three things. I need those three things to align just because of the nature of the injury. You know, uh, I don't want to come back and trying to find my game, and I'm pressing, and like I said, I'm overcompensating and doing this. And like, no, I want to feel great. I want to have gotten some scrimmaging under my belt to where I feel good about my game, to where I feel good about my conditioning. And like I said, most importantly, that I feel good about my body. No, no. Oh, okay, thank you. Um, 
When you consider that you guys went to five consecutive finals, when you consider that you often play center in physical basketball, would you describe this back injury as a wear and tear thing or something completely random? I think most injuries are wear and tear. Uh, that's just kind of the nature of what we do to our bodies. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's just a buildup. And so uh, I never got the answer from one of the doctors where it was wear and tear or whether it could have been acute and I just didn't realize it. Like, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't even think we we ever discussed or even tried to figure that out. Uh, we just kind of figured out what it was and what what's the plan, what we need to do from here. Let me lock into this plan and, and let me give it a go. So then a side conversation, if you've heard some of that criticism talk rather that, you know, he's he's washed up or Draymond's body is breaking down. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I hear but your, it's yeah. prob- that that probably comes from the same person that said I was washed up and wouldn't be an all star. So. We know how much that opinion matters, but all opinion matters, I guess. Tim, you had a question. I'll answer it if you got one. I was actually going to be just like that. I've seen Kaminga work ethic improve, and not that he wasn't a hard worker. Um, because I haven't been around him long enough to say whether he was a hard worker or not. But what I've seen is him learning how to work. And as he's learning how to work, his game is getting better. Uh, His understanding is getting better. And I think that's important. And then Moses, on the other hand, Moses is like the old, like, 19-year-old that's like, does everything right, like, uh, works his butt off, um, no complaints about nothing. And the reality is both of those guys can and will be successful. One probably has someone teaching him what it's like to work hard and be a professional since he was 10 years old. And then the other one was probably extremely gifted Someone realized it, threw him out there on the basketball court with his gifts, and that was that, and not much guidance. He now has that guidance, and what he's shown is he believes in accepting that guidance and that he will, and that he's willing to change who he's possibly been his entire life. And because of that, I think he's going to be super special because he listens. Um, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and act like uh, he's had it all figured out from the beginning. No, he's been late a few times. Like the vets have had to step in a few times. And it's beautiful to see because he's nowhere near a finished product. And all of those things they happen like and if you don't understand you can either have someone that writes you off or you can have someone that believes in you and want to show you the way and one thing i can assure you every coach performance uh team front office and most importantly i think player believes in him and does everything they can to help him and he listens to everything that you say 
And so I have no doubt that he's going to be great and that he'll continue to grow because it's, it's not that he doesn't listen. I think it was a lack of things to listen to. And now he's getting that and it's rapidly improving. And like I said, I think Moses will be successful for all of those reasons that I already named. So the future is bright, especially with those two, like they're, they're going to be damn good pros and probably both probably will end up being all-stars. No problem. Number one, I wanted to do that and be DPOY just because you know how people do it. Like they said about Dame, like, oh, you rapping now and you can't play basketball uh, as if we're idiots and can only do one thing uh, at a time. And so the reality is, is when I'm done playing basketball, I'll do some of that stuff. And why not work on it now? Why not get better now uh, if, if the opportunity is there? And the opportunity was there. Uh, I am extremely grateful for the opportunities to be a part of the, the TNT slash Turner family uh, because it's, uh, it's, it's not easy to become part of that family. And, but, but when you're in the family, you're in and, and you feel it. And so to be a part of such a, a prestigious group, I always want to align myself with, with, some of the best and they are some of the best to do it and so I think for me it was a no-brainer and to do that and like I just worked I just finished uh, working like I I'm, I wasn't a guest on TNT today I was working while working I got a name I got named an all-star like that's 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 incredible like that's not just some normal thing I think that's amazing and if I can open up a lane for guys to be able to do that while they're playing, like, let's like, why won't I go for it? And why can't it be me to open up that lane and create a new lane for guys? Why, why can't I do it? And if I can't, if I can do it, why can't anybody else do it? You know? So I'm all about trying to set new paths and pave new ways when I can. And I think that's one of them. And I am extremely excited about it. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.